0: Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Move Nourished podcast, where we discuss nutritious eating, functional movement, and herbal medicine to help you move, eat, and live better. I'm Alyssa.
1: And I'm Forrest. We're clinical herbalists, movement coaches, and wellness nerds. Let's get started.
0: So this week we are building on what we talked about in our episode last week, movement is more than exercise. We talked about how daily life has become sedentary for many of us and we how we've made the shift historically and as a society from being obligate movers to optional movers. And because we don't want to leave you hanging on how to actually start to address that in your life, this week we're going to talk through seven ways to increase movement in your daily life and listen all the way to the end for a bonus number eight. All right, Forrest, take it away. What's
1: number one? So number one is increase your step count. We've got to... Get walking more we are built for walking and we're built for walking long distances humans actually are one of the most efficient long distance walkers as far as all animals looked at so we are built for not just walking but walking a lot so things like taking phone calls while walking or pacing that's one that i do a lot Mm
0: -hmm. is Uh, yep same
1: Oh, uh, park at the furthest space at the or, at the grocery store. Take the stairs. I know that's probably a cliche at this point. Say take the <laughs> stairs, but yeah, take the stairs. If you live in a place that you can walk to get groceries, or walk to go to town, or walk to do whatever errand you're running, do so. If you're getting groceries, then you're not only getting walking, but you're getting a loaded carry on the way back. So you're yeah. doing your, yeah. So you walk to the store and then your farmer's walking back from the store with your groceries, simple things like this, but just anytime you can increase your step count. Some people talk about trying to get 10,000 steps a day. I think it's great. Get more than that though.
0: That's just a number. That's just something to aim for.
1: Yeah. And I think it's really crucial, like for athletes, exercisers, don't let your conditioning programs eliminate your walking. It's because... You're working on cycling or running or something like that doesn't take away the benefits that walking is going to give. So, still include that. Include it in warm ups and cool downs. Include it in daily life outside of your exercise programs. Include things like hikes in nature are one of my favorite recovery conditioning sessions. Mm-hmm. If you've been hitting it hard with circuit based work or with road work for running, cycling, swimming, whatever, then. Go for a nice hike.
0: I think also what Bear's mentioning here is just to keep our recommendations as inclusive as possible. If walking is not within the realm of things that you have available to you for whatever reason, maybe you'd like if it doesn't feel safe to be out to do it outside or you have a mobility restriction or for whatever reason. You can seek to approximate that with whatever you have access to, both mobility-wise exactly. and or tool-wise or whatever whatever version of that is safe and accessible to you. It doesn't have to be like a, like a nature hike for seven miles in the woods, exactly. you know, in the middle of the woods. Like, sure, that's great if you have the the physical ability to do that and if you live somewhere where it is okay for you to do that and if you feel comfortable doing that. But you can also, if you have a mobility restriction, I often will give older clients with mobility restrictions those little pedal bikes where they can sit on the couch if they maybe walking is not something that would be safe for them, or maybe there's a fall risk, something like that. So you can use those little pedal bikes. You can take laps around your house. You can use uh, a walker if that makes it easier for you. Can you think of any other ways where we could make this as inclusive as possible to folks that maybe don't have the ability to walk to the store or wouldn't feel safe doing so? Yeah,
1: definitely. So So my my kind of philosophy is wherever you can. And so that can be in the house. You can get a lot of steps just being more mobile, just get keeping on the move more. If walking is not, my general philosophy is that if walking is not something that's accessible mobility or functionally wise, then we're looking to work towards walking and or approximate walking. With yep. so, what is walking? It's a low intensity, full body, long repetitive activity. So, mm-hmm. pedal bikes, though I really love ellipticals for mm-hmm. more approximating walking, and they're starting to get more affordable and smaller. So, things like that, walking with assistants, walking with walkers, mm-hmm. all those are ways that we can start working. And a lot for a lot of folks that walking is more difficult then that may be my starting point in a program of mm-hmm. let's make walking more comfortable let's find yeah. what we can achieve in that another just another little interesting tidbit for a technology for folks that are having trouble walking so the pedal bikes and ellipticals one thing they don't give from walking is the lateral stabilization piece mm. that is very missing and so there is now lateral pedal bikes That basically it's a side to side pedaling and that works on those lateral statement, which is a huge part of walking and what makes you feel more balanced. And so a lot of folks that I'm working with, I'm combining our traditional pedal bike or elliptical to get more of the endurance, but then that lateral will help with building balance and stability in standing. And will also reduce a lot of knee strain that can come from if you're doing mainly pedal bikes.
0: Yeah. Great. All right. So increasing your step count in whatever way is accessible to you, number one. And I know that one is a little cliche, but it's cliche for a reason, people. Yes. There is really, uh, as a species, like for us to say, and we are, those of us with the physical capacity to walk need to be doing more walking because we're, you know, we're built for it. So
1: I think no matter your physical capacity, there's something in the walking you. to work mm-hmm. towards. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Number two is do more activities standing or sitting on the ground. Yeah. So chairs and furniture have really created a lot of limitation. And getting down to the ground and getting back up in the ground is a it's a full body core. And I mean, it's core and full body exercise. In fact, there was a Brazilian study that looked at What was the dominant way of looking at wellness in someone's 80s and 90s? And that was their ability to get up and down from the ground in their 60s was more consistent than any other fitness measure. So getting up and getting up and down and then when you're on the floor, sitting down on the floor, that. It just, we can't overstate that. Um, Yeah.
0: And I think that two things I would say about that for folks are two addendums to that just to make that more successful for people. One, I would say double that up with what you're already doing. There's no need and there's no reason to be like, I'm going to do my 20 minutes of ground sitting for the day now. No, don't worry. Don't bother doing that. Do that while you're working. Do it while you're watching TV. Do it while you're playing with your kids. Do it while you're on the phone. Double it up. We sit a lot of the time anyway. And yes, part of the goal is to reduce the amount of time that you're spending sitting anyway, yes, but you can also get more out of the time where you will inevitably be sitting by sitting on the ground. And the second thing I would say about that is transition gradually. Do not just try to sit on the bare ground for right. eight hours right out of the gate. You will not stick to this habit if you try and do that. Use bolsters. Use cushions. Lean up against the couch for a while instead of sitting on the yes. couch and use your time increments wisely. Don't try and do it eight hours for your work day and throw your desk chair away. Use a yoga ball. Use the yoga ball chairs. Stair step yourself down as gradually as you need to and yes. give yourself some cushion because that is how you would set yourself up for success when it comes to ground setting. And I'm speaking both from personal experience and also from helping other folks on this journey back to the ground, if you will.
1: Yeah. And I think going gradually, but also keeping keeping moving in this process, I think that we've conditioned ourselves in chairs. Typically, you only get to sit in one way. Mm -hmm. And so we've kind of become accustomed to that. Oh, I sit the same way for hours at a time. And that's really not how ground sitting works. And you see this so, in kids
0: because we mm-hmm. always give kids crap about how they can't sit still when they're sitting. And it's not their fault, A. B. It's also they're doing a better version of it than we are
1: as adults. Right. So on the ground, we have lots of different sitting postures. Cross-legged, straight-legged, bent legs. You have to transition between these frequently to make it more comfortable and, and a more sustainable practice. And oftentimes you'll find ones that are harder, maybe like kind of sitting back on your heels is a little bit harder because of knee mobility. Maybe a uh, hamstring flexibility means that sitting with straight legs, it's really hard to do that without getting a lot of pull in your low back. And so those are, you kind of can tease at the ones that mm-hmm, are harder and then move away from the ones that are harder and work on the ones that you're good at. And so you kind of can work through them in that process and you'll get better at the ones that are more challenging to you while also having a lot of other strategies and then on the grander scheme i think keeping moving just outside of just on the ground is just in your daily life if you're working on emails things like that switch between sitting in a chair standing pacing ground sitting and back and all of that will give a lot of movement potential. Mm-hmm. You have five different postures. You can sit on the floor and you have some activities that you can easily do while on the floor whether are work or leisure related. But then you also have some tasks that you might do standing up, like chopping vegetables at the counter. And then you have mm-hmm. some tasks that you do choose to do in a chair. And then you might take a phone call and pace around the house and stack your life to where these are cycled through. to where you're not having to add a lot of extra load in time through these ground movements and standing and pacing around, but you're just adding a lot more variety in the movement while doing the same tasks that you were already doing.
0: And you also will find, dear listener, that remembering to change positions when you're sitting on the floor is actually not that difficult because your body will tell you. Things will start to fall asleep or you'll be like, I got to change positions. And that's a great thing. That's a great thing for your body to be helping you remember to do, because that says, we have squished this part of my body enough with these pressure deforming movements. Can we shift to a different position? And that in and of itself adds in little micro doses of movement every time you switch positions. And you're getting another little micro dose of movement every time you have to then get up and down off the ground, which requires a lot more of you than getting up and down from a chair or a
1: couch. Yes. And I think we'll be releasing some material in the near future with strategies for getting up and down from the ground. I know it can be a very daunting task for a lot of folks, mm-hmm. but it is a test that I believe that a lot of people can find at least some spectrum of and it's is totally
0: worth it as a fitness. So goal. So
1: worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely.
0: It's... Do you want me to introduce our third one? Please. All right. So the third one is choose to avoid conveniences that reduce movement or the potential for movement where possible. And related to that, what you're going to try to do to help accomplish that is set up your space, your living space, your working space to optimize movement and to facilitate movement instead of minimizing it.
1: So we talked about in last episode, all of the modern conveniences that are really designed to decrease movements. And it's not that we don't leverage those for our benefits, but you can choose to not use those technologies to increase your daily movement. So. Mm -hmm choosing to chop your own vegetables for cooking instead of buying the like pre-shredded carrots or pre-chopped vegetables and things like that, this can be a really excellent thing. Oftentimes I encourage clients to use the pre-chopped vegetables when we're saying- Same, let's at get, the beginning, let's, yeah. yeah. At the <laughs> beginning when we're trying to get more vegetables and make it as convenient as possible to get those vegetables in. But at some point you can say, look, even though I can afford the pre-chopped vegetables, it's decreasing my movement. Mm-hmm. And if I can listen to a podcast or uh, jam out to music or something that I want to do anyway, while I'm chopping the carrots that are going into the food I'm cooking, that's just going to increase the little micro movement that I'm doing.
0: It's cumulative people. This is, it's We're playing cumulative. a long game here.
1: Playing a long game. Another fun thing that I've been playing with lately is mortar and pestling things Mm. that would normally go in the food processor and that's a fun like exploration and it's definitely exploration of something
0: that kids love to do
1: exactly yeah like you can
0: involve kiddos in the process as well
1: and you'll find some things like pesto that are like oh this is pretty easy to do in a mortar and pestle and then you'll find some other things that you're like wow Mm -hmm. our ancestors really wanted some of this Hummus and yeah, like
0: they worked hard for this, they
1: worked hard for this. <laughs> yeah, oh.
0: and then as far as setting up your space to optimize movement, the the example that always comes to my mind is the Katie Bowman example of putting your most used kitchen items in the bottom cabinet or in a harder to reach cabinet or a so harder to reach have cabinet to do movement mm-hmm. for the things that you are going to be using most often. So your silverware, yeah. your favorite pan, or whatever, your microwave, like you could stick that somewhere where it forces you to do a little bit of extra movement every time you want to use that.
1: Yeah, kind of the opposite of what we typically think of. We think, mm-hmm. oh, we need to organize the kitchen so that everything is like the most within reach. Mm-hmm. And some of this comes from like chef advice. Yeah, we, we, because like, they're burning
0: and turning and they're, they're trying to feed hundreds of people and very quickly.
1: Yes. But in our home, like in the home environment, you're not burning and churning so much. And so you could actually afford to place the things kind of in the opposite spectrum. Place it in a way where you have to do some overhead reaching and standing on your tippy toes to reach to get one thing. And then you need to squat down to get something Mm -hmm. else. And that's just going to add the movement nutrition that you're already going to get from preparing your own meals. Absolutely. Oh, one one last little um, like micro movement to get from reducing a convenience is shelling your own nuts. Oh dear! Oh, I encourage you to play with that. That's a, <laughs> it will make you appreciate the the nutrients that are packed in those nuts. Sunflower seeds and, and pistachios
0: mm-hmm. come to mind, which is also sort of a fun can be a fun sensory activity. If you think about Mm -hmm. it as well, it it feels very primal. (laughs) Yeah. All right, what's our next one for us?
1: So number four is leverage household chores, yard work and other things like that to work to optimize movement. So empower your need to do laundry and yard work as the opportunity to move more.
0: Let's give them a couple of specific examples. So yard work is pretty obvious, right? raking the yard weeding whatever doing landscaping if you don't have a yard and you live in an apartment or taking care of some house plants or repotting something doing something outside volunteering in a community garden or having a community garden space or a plot somewhere so yard work is fairly self-explanatory i feel like unless there's something that you that can think of that you would want to mention for folks
1: no, but I, but it's a great place to practice movement nutrients that you're working on, to practice mm. squatting, hinging, any of the other movements that you're building up, maybe in your supplemental exercise program. Yard work is a great time to play with those in real life a little bit.
0: So one way that we can also leverage household chores in service of both our own health through more movement and planetary health is if you have things that can be air dried or that you dry on low, Mm -hmm. you can hang them out on a drying rack. And it doesn't seem like much, but it adds up over time where you are, instead of just chucking them in the dryer, and dryers are one of the biggest sources of energy in our households, period. You can, drying racks, I think you can get them for 20 or 30, maybe $40 online, or you can very easily make one if you have any type of outdoor space. And you're gonna hang up your laundry and then you're going to have to take it down and fold it so you're reaching above your head, you're exactly. squatting down, potentially or hinging down to get the laundry out of the basket. You're doing a unilateral carry or a front carry to get the basket in and out from outside. So those are just a couple of examples of ways in which doing that yeah. is going to add more movement it's into add your day than just chucking things in the dryer.
1: Also use, if you have a dishwasher, choosing to not use your dishwasher sometimes, especially Mm -hmm. choosing to hand wash dishes. The horror. Uh. The horror. Some of us are just hand washing dishes anyway. So you already got that covered. But if you have a dishwasher, choose to just wash it by hand. If it's especially you didn't host anybody, it was just you or you and your partner eating dinner, then wash those dishes by hand. It'll save electricity and water immensely mm-hmm. and it'll also give you a little bit of extra movement time.
0: Especially if you have to put stuff up in a high place when you're done. <laughs> like exactly. Reach yeah. All right, number five. Ah, this one is very near and dear to my heart as a DIYer and maker. Crafting, making, and DIY. I know my examples because I'm very biased, but what comes to your mind when we want to give folks examples of how to incorporate this
1: into their lives? Oh, just, I mean, it's funny. We don't think of Sometimes I don't think we think of things like knitting as movement. That was what I was going to say. Oh, I'm such a is. nerd. But but knitting is such totally movement. Alyssa's a much better knitter than me. I'm a I needle. Mean... Yeah, I, just, I think we can say that. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm I, I enjoy needle felting. There's so many crafts that mm-hmm. can be done. Leather working. Le- yeah. Oh. Ice sculptures.
0: I don't care what you do.
1: But you know, I think that I kind of because I'm the kind of person that differentiates things a lot. I oftentimes differentiate the like arts from arts and crafts from like things that are you get in just the creative flow and just kind of mm-hmm. get to play with, which mm-hmm. create movement in one way that's really great. And then the things that are the slow crafting projects that take skill and effort and repetitive movement, like right. knitting building and something. crocheting yeah. or building something where you're really working on it and you're working it with movement Your over time oh sculpture and mm-hmm. ceramics mm-hmm. painting all of these things are movement based and, and or just DIY projects for home improvement some folks like to do their own plumbing and things like that shelves
0: like or yeah, shelves. Mm-hmm. yeah storage all, or
1: yeah I think we can think of the DIY and, and the as a as a movement that's for movement it really yeah. does increase the amount of moving that you're doing
0: yeah, and it's so satisfying to you somatically. And then it's also so satisfying on so many other levels to make something of your own and something that didn't exist before and then exists now. That's the ultimate act of creation. I just that I think everyone has access to,
1: yeah, and I, and in in some way, think, shape or form, and I don't think we should underestimate how much you know, when we talk about the ancestral movements, how much of that daily movement was in that kind of realm, the crafting. Mm-hmm making things realm was a big part of what we spent our time doing and how we spent our time moving and mm-hmm. so adding that in can be really beneficial and there are benefits that we can start to look at in physiology mm-hmm. i've there's some studies looking at knitting for uh rotator cuff activation mm-hmm. and stabilization and so mm-hmm. actually now kind of my go-to whereas I was looking at what can I do I use walking or pedal bikes or things like that to get that low level, low level movement stimulation to the lower body for knee and hip problems. I thought hand bikes don't really do the same thing for the shoulder. They don't get the rotator cuff activated. What do we do for folks that like need a low level shoulder stabilization and activation? And lately my exercise prescription has been crocheting, needle felting, knitting, hand looms, things mm-hmm. like that. And the I've seen Embroidery. a ton of benefit. Yeah, just finding a craft like that and then putting it in a program as, if, as a normal, as an exercise even to start with can be really beneficial for shoulder health and just movement nutrition in general.
0: All right. Sidebar for us. We have less than 10 minutes, so we got to get through this in about five minutes. So the last okay. three and about five minutes. Okay. All right. So number six, very near and dear to my heart as a salsa dancer, jam out and dance. There is something so expressive and so freeing and accessible about putting in some headphones or putting on some music, closing the blinds if you're at home, just so (laughs) so that nobody has to see you unless you want people to see you. Then in which case, open the blinds and just free dance or dance dance. it out.
1: Dance, move. Yeah. I, I think that it's a wonderful way of increasing movement. Beautiful. And then number seven is get out in nature and explore and play. Nature is a really good catalyst for movement. You know, one is back to our increasing our steps in nature is a much, is a really great place to explore walking and walk around. And that can be on a big long hike in the forest or it could be on a little stroll at the public park but i find that nature ink fosters more movement oftentimes whether it's just walking through the grass and through different textures at the park whether it's picking up pine cones whether it's picking berries or pecans or something from the ground to doing a little bit of foraging there's just oftentimes you get out fishing all kinds of activities that nature kind of fosters that you know, there's you can choose your own adventure but m- for most, once you get out there, a lot of times the, the call of the wild will make you move.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. And there's a million ways to clamber. Clamber on rocks or have a picnic or, yeah, there's just.
1: Walk in you're the You're compounding
0: creek. benefits at that point as well, because you are getting out in nature and you're doing what some people would forest bathing, right? Like it's a very, fan- exactly. like it's kind of a fancy term for this. That's got some research on it now. Like you're compounding the added movement, which is good in and of itself, with movement in nature, which is a gajillion times supercharged, if you will.
1: Yeah. There's there's tons of benefits from just the you get out in nature. There's there's been studies on the green light that is mm. filtered through trees, through mm-hmm. tree leaves, that's shown that it increases perceived Energy levels decreases pain, decreases inflammation. There's been studies on the terpenes released by the trees, and so basically the smell of, of, of the woods or of a park that that also decreases inflammation, increases serotonin levels, decreases pain. So basically, like there is you can't there, go wrong. Is what can't we're saying. Go wrong. There is you can't, go, can't wrong go wrong with getting out in nature, mm-hmm. and for the most part, when you get out in nature, it'll encourage movement. And I encourage you just to follow that and see where it leads.
0: All right. That's our seven. But because we love you, Forrest has a bonus for you. I a do have a bonus. Eight. What's our bonus number eight?
1: Bonus eight is a scavenger hunt for wild movement nutrients. What so, do you mean this, by
0: wild movement nutrients, Forrest?
1: So when you think about wild movement nutrients, you think about, okay, let's think the twist. So- we you twist to look behind you. You can do it right now. It's just kind of like twist your spine so that you can look completely behind you. And mm-hmm. we can think of that as like, that's a natural move. Now we can think of a convenience that has eliminated that movement, which is the little cameras, cameras. that help you back up. Mm-hmm. And so now you just Pain look at the existence. camera and you don't have mm-hmm. to twist to back up. So then you go to a yoga class or movement class. And you get the twist because we need the twist and, and you're artificially and you do it.
0: adding back in this movement nutrient that you yes, could
1: that you get could also real life. get in real life as a wild nutrient. So mm-hmm. like the wild twist is like, <laughs> take, oh, I can take my twist from yoga class and I can use that to back up instead of my rear view camera, mm-hmm. or I can use my, finding the wild movement nutrients can go in all of the seven we just went through. It's like, oh. I can use my hinge to pick up my laundry basket. Oh, mm-hmm. I can squat down using my squat mechanics that I was learning in my program. I can use that now when I'm gardening. So it's just taking all of these movements that you work on in exercise or in a movement program and saying, okay, how can I find this in the wild? How can a I scavenger make it hunt? Yep. How can I go on? or go on a, a hike or a walk in the park and say, okay. I'm going to find all of the all, all of a certain amount of movements. I'm going to hinge to pick something up. I'm going to squat down to look at something. I'm going to pick up a rock and lift it above my head in an overhead press. I'm going to jump. You can there's lots of movement nutrients, but you can come up with a list of the ones you want to play with and you can find them like a scavenger hunt on your outing.
0: Absolutely. And that can
1: be really fun.
0: Yeah. And, and that can, is another great thing to do with kids.
1: It's another great thing to do mm-hmm. with kids, and then it becomes a oh, is this is this the good place I should do a hinge? Is this a good opportunity to do a hinge? Is this a good tree to climb and work on my pulling strength, which ingrains these movements into the nervous system, to where then they become something that's more real again, instead of a and thing just that easy we do and just sp-
0: part of what you do during your day.
1: Yeah, so it becomes like oh, hinges are for this versus hinges are what I do in the Romanian deadlift for three sets of ten reps. Yes. I I think that can be really fine. And absolutely. again, we're not anti exercise. We're just, absolutely not. We're just pro movement outside of exercise.
0: All right. So there you have it, dear listeners. Let's to recap those for you real quickly and summarize your seven ways, well eight because we love you, to increase movement in daily life. Number one, increase your step count. Number two Do more of your activities while standing or sitting on the ground. Three, avoid movement reducing conveniences where possible and set up your space to optimize movement and encourage movement instead of minimize it. Four, leverage your household chores and your yard work in such a way that it encourages and optimizes your movement. Five, find a craft or some sort of making or DIY project to increase your movement and feed your soul. Six, another way of feeding your soul, jam out and dance. Put on some music, close the blinds or don't close the blinds. Take a dance class, whatever floats your boat. Seven, get out in nature to explore and play. And number eight, hold a scavenger hunt for your wild movement nutrients. Thank you for listening. This has been the Move Nourish podcast. I'm Melissa.
1: And I'm Forrest.
0: And we will catch you next time.